Welcome to the Pilgrim's Digress, in which myself, the Reverend Zachary Bartles, and my good friend, Mr. Sagacity, are going to digress upon the topic of chapter 18 of the Pilgrim's Progress, which we have called Promise. Uh, And this is a really dark, but then ultimately kind of victorious chapter. And for both reasons, it has been lambasted and dragged through the mud for being either too dark for what appears to some people to be a children's book, Mm -hmm. dealing with issues of temptation to commit suicide and that sort of thing, or being too kind of sunny and, wow, look how easily we defeated all this stuff, Mm -hmm. even though when you read the book, it's anything but easy. It's like the most difficult thing that happens to Christian in the entire journey, but the like real neat, clean ending of, oh, I found this promise. Oh, I'm all better now and Mm. I'm out of the cage and that's behind us and it doesn't come up again. We're going to deal with both of those things. But I think part of it is just people not looking at it in its context. And I think that's half the problem with the world today is that nothing is in its context. Everything Mm. is just, you Google it, you find the immediate quote. Right. (laughs) The context here is all of these things would be affecting him throughout, right? Mistrust would come up again and again, not just be a guy that he bumps shoulders with once. The idea of morality, the slough, all all these things are realities that that a Christian will deal with throughout their life, but... He can't show it to us all at once. For the sake of allegory. Or it would never end. It would would never end. Well, and it would be chaos because he would be in five places at once because you deal with more than one of these things at a time. Your your temptation, you know, the the woman wantons over here, uh, the man in the iron cage is over here. At the same time, you've got your eyes on the light, but also, yeah, it just, it wouldn't work. So either he had to like really dumb it down and that's a lot of the complaint about mm-hmm. it is that it's too simple. He had to make it even simpler and not have him deal with doubt and despair. Or he had to make it un, unintelligible where he wouldn't even be able to understand it. So he, I think he did a good job. I, I think this section, to me, and, and I'm not someone who has struggled inordinately with doubt or despair, but has dealt with it as much as your average person, I think, and maybe a little more. Hmm. It, it rings true for me. And, you know, I, I don't know if it does for you or not, but... I mean, yeah, I, I think that his illogical thought patterns fit really, really well with a lot of my illogical thought patterns whenever I slump into really, really elongated periods of depression or anything. You get into it and, and nothing makes sense. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And you might have all the tools readily available to you on your person to, quote, escape that, um, but you, you don't remember them. And even if you do, you don't look at them as something that's an actual viable option, right? It's just it's just a crest in the armor. It's not an actual right. key. Looking right? at it's supposed to raise your spirits, mm-hmm. and it doesn't. And you're oh, okay, well, that, that didn't, didn't work. work. You don't think yeah. about it having power to unlock anything. The fact that Spurgeon, who, you know, he, he was a tortured guy in many aspects with uh, despair and seasons of feeling like things were meaningless mm-hmm. and things were hopeless— and the fact that he thought of the Pilgrim's Progress as next to the Bible being perhaps the most important t- text that a Christian could could own and read and become familiar with um, tells me that that you know there's it's not just me there's and, and you there's more there's more mm-hmm. to this this is a, a very because Bunyan dealt with this stuff right Bunyan was someone who spent a lot of his life in prison mm. he's in prison his family is able to visit occasionally but he can't be there for them. He can't be there for his flock. 
his his daughter, one, one of his children, his daughter whom he loved very much and had a kind of a special connection with and who was blind. Yeah. So very few people had a very special connection with her. Right. Dies while he's in prison. I mean, the kind of uh, despair that one might think of. And the fact that <laughs> he's got a wife mm-hmm. whose name is Diffidence and I called her Apprehension. Right. Probably mistrust or distrust is a better word, but you can't have two people named distrust. Uh, <laughs> and so- you know, the fact that there's kind of even team-ups going on, you know, mm. we're going to we're gonna link arms and come after you. Fighting Apollyon took all day. Right. But only in one day. Mm-hmm. Dealing with this giant despair takes three days. Mm. And in the story of, I don't know how long exactly, no one can quite know how long this journey is, but three days is a big chunk of it. Right. And it takes two of them to yeah. overcome this obstacle in three days. He fought Apollyon by himself and was able to overcome it in one day. So imagine if he was by himself in that cage. Oh, he would have never he got out. He would have killed himself right away. In God's providence, he had Hopeful with him. Yeah. Yes, to keep him grounded. Absolutely. And that's how God works, right? He, mm. And so even, and that's that's an interesting point, that he has Hopeful with him, and it seems like Hopeful is kind of completely failing to get through to him, hmm. to talk him down from uh, this this proverbial ledge, but he's not failing because he does keep him from doing anything rash. He does he, he he can't get him to pray or sing at first, but he can keep him from completely giving up all hope yeah. in, a, in any kind of final way. And you know when you deal with in, in ministry and in just as as a Christian in in life. You know, you often will deal with, you know, people who who struggle with, you know, they've got demons, they've got addictions, they've got different things. And when you're there for them at their low points and they say like, you know, this isn't working, this isn't doing it for me, this isn't enough. Uh, these, these things you're saying from the scriptures, but the fact that they let you remain there with them mm-hmm. and they slowly, very slowly can come up out of these dark, deep places It is enough. They just don't see it at first, right? Yeah. We've said it many, many times, the importance of being part of a biblical local church where people are actually caring for you and connected to you and praying with you and living with you. Um, I believe you mean uh, doing life with you. Right, right. Doing (laughs) life with you. There's one of your It's a fave of mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Living missionally. With you. Incarn- incarmissionally. Ooh, that's, that's a bad one. Um, <laughs> really didn't like that. So, so not only is it important to be part of a local church, but also to have, to have that, you know, thick as thieves, I think, group even inside of that church, a right? A friend closer than a brother. Yeah. Or better than that, a brotherhood of friends closer than a right. brother. Yes. Where, you know, that you are able to pull you from that, either kicking or streaming or just able to just exist with you in it for a while mm-hmm. in a way opposite of, let's say, Job's friends, right? right yes. Who aren't just going to show up in your moment of, you know, just, just bleakness and then start throwing all sorts of accusatory comments. And or, trite little sayings and, and stuff. Right. Um, but instead are able to be with you in a meaningful, real way, I think. Um, and and if, if his friends would have showed up and just said, we're just here to suffer with you, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, we're here to we're here to suffer with you. We're here to help you pick up the pieces. Rejoice with to, those who rejoice. Yeah, weep with those who weep. Mm-hmm. Not tell them to buck up those who weep. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Not or figure not, out what you have to repent of. Yeah. Because this yeah, is all yeah, your. Or, yeah. Yeah. Kind of tell them. Listen. 
you, you know that there's a problem here and mm. at its heart, it's in your, hopeful does none of this, even yeah. though in this case, it was Christian's initial right. sinful impulse that got them where they are. Mm-hmm. I think it was really important when, when Job's friends did listen to him and, you know, in, in the mix, you have one pretty decent friend. Right. The youngest one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly <laughs> enough. Yes. And, um, and, and listening and waiting to talk. Hmm. It, you know, because he comes up, he, I believe, it's been a while since I read Job, I'll, I'll confess, but I believe he speaks last, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, and and part of it's out of deference of, of you know, his elders being there and having all this quote unquote wisdom, but also he's just, he's quick to listen and slow to speak. And, and you know, that, that comes to us in the context of not getting angry quickly in the scriptures, but I think it could be just as valid, you know, in in terms of comforting somebody. Yeah. Not rushing in with, I've got all these verses that I, I prepared, or I've got this stuff to say that's going to, you know, this movie worthy speech where the music swells under it and you slowly stand and say, yes, you're right. Mm. But rather, this sucks. Yeah. And I'm here with you. And really, the only part of the meta narrative story of creation, fall, redemption, consummation that doesn't make sense is our contribution, mm. the fall. Right. Which is sin, which is death, which is suffering, which is, uh, you know, despair. And so you can't make quick sense of it mm. when someone's in it. You just can't. And for all we know, the doubt and despair that are that are weighing down Christian are the doubt and despair that were weighing down Bunyan when his daughter died. Right. So you don't want to put a Band-Aid on a hemorrhage, right? They, mm. they have treated the wound of my people lightly. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. And again, you know, that is in the context of a, a teacher uh, not calling people to repentance. It's just as inappropriate to come in when someone is hurting deeply and treat it as, oh, get over it. You'll be okay. Yeah. Or I've been there. It gets better. Right. It takes three and a half days and then you feel better. You know, like, or, or you know, I just listen to these kind of songs and that brings me out of it. So do this and it will work for you too. Uh, probably not. Mm-hmm. All right. So speaking of Job, here we've got some texts from Job, which should not surprise us. Uh, Job 2, 9 through 10 is the first one we're going to look at here. And this is cited when it says, The giant told them that since they would never be released from their bondage, the only alternative way of escape was for them to commit suicide using either a knife, a noose, or poison. Um, And of course, he knows that they have a blade with them. I don't know if he's offered to provide poison or something, but... Right. Uh, yeah, it sounds like... Find a selection. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you could almost... I mean, you wouldn't want this to ever get kind of goofy. And, and that was, as I've said already, what really slowed me down in preparing this is like mm-hmm. having this giant and his wife. And with the background we have in our culture of kind of fee-fi-fo-fum when right. it comes to yeah. English stories and giants, not having it be, you know, a cartoon... Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, almost he, you could see him coming and saying like, I brought you something. It's not food, but, and you know, like yeah. some vials, some, but he can't trick them. He can't poison food and give it to them. Yeah. And, and I think that really in my mind turned out to be the role of the wife. She's her, her name means, you know, mistrust, distrust. And that makes sense that that goes hand in hand with doubt and despair. But for her to keep him on track, which she does throughout of hold on, don't lose sight of what we're trying to do here, which is yeah. to just drip them dry of any hope. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to eat pilgrims that died of natural causes or you slayed them or they just starved to death yeah. while still praising their king. They have to have died of a, lack of hope. She has an allergy to hope. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. To put it in mm-hmm. millennial terms. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know what? I don't judge you for being a millennial. So thank you. <laughs> do you know what? You're what, one in a million. Do you think I'm a boomer? What do you think? Which one do you think I belong to? I, th- I think you're my friend, buddy. <laughs> I don't. I don't like to. You don't think in terms of I don't, categories yeah, I like, like that. to go. Hmm. What kind of ill-defined times were you born? And that's going to sum the entirety of your character up for me. What's funny is when you read about the super specific niche between Gen Xers and millennials, Mm. the end of one, the beginning of the other, I'm kind of the very, very end of Gen X. And my wife, by once in a while, you'll see a reckoning that has her at the very, very, very beginning, like by two days of of millennial. But they've come up with Xennial, or maybe we pronounce it Xennial, in that... uh, you know, that's how you, you like xylophone, but you read like all the descriptions of what people are like. And I'm like, dude, that absolutely is me. Hmm. Uh, but people who remember the world with no internet and yet are very, very comfortable uh, on a like basically perfect people, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, I mean, think of everybody felt... that I went to school with and they're just all of them just quality through and through, myself as well. Yeah. <laughs> Got the world figured out. Got, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. No, no, none of them There's are just no, kind of floundering in the dark. Every, no, no financial crises to right, speak right. of. We've not there. ruined anything. Yeah. And, and you know what? We really, we, we inherited this concern, mm. this budding new concern for the environment. Look how we fixed it. Yeah. Everything fixed. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Gen X. Um, so Job 2, 9 and 10, to violently go back to the topic at hand. So hold on, I'm going to give some context. So Satan went out of the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. You literally, this is literally the saddest thing in the world. You can imagine this guy, his children have all just died. His health is completely out the window in the toilet and he's sitting on ashes, which like putting ashes on your head mm-hmm. would be a sign of mourning and, and, and stuff. But to sit in an ash heap so that they're always ready, readily available is symbolic of just, yeah, really loss of, of hope. What do you have? Yeah. And he's scraping with this, oh, the thought Pizza, of that scraping yeah. sores. Was that some sort of medicinal thing? Like, oh yeah, like you bleed people. You got to scrape those sores with some, here's a broken pot shirt, go to town. Or was it like because they itched? <laughs> Oh. Or what? What? Or is it just to like kind of pull the pus off? Whatever it is, it's sad. Oof. And in the midst of that, his wife comes in and she says, "Sweetie, it's going to be okay. Remember <laughs> the promises of God." No. <laughs> then his wife said to him, "Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die." But he said to her, "You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil?" In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. So opposite of Eve here, opposite of helper. Well, believe women, hashtag believe women. She says, right, no, believe wise women. Mm. Surround yourself with wise people and and wise counsel and certainly make sure you marry a wise woman. But at the same time, I think we don't want to, I I forget that she also. I mean, she's going through stuff too. She lost her kids. She's lost her possessions. Can I confess something? I've never thought of that once before. Hmm. I've thought of her as playing a role in his story, not as also having her own story, which is problematic. A little sexist. Well, I I think it's just because he's the main character. I think of Gen X. (laughs) (laughs) It's because I'm Gen X. X, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so yeah, her her responding in. So, so really, she's the one that relates to. What they're what they're going through here mm. now. Uh, she and well, the giant are yeah. kind of on the same page, saying the same yeah. thing. And if the giant, the giant despair has kind of whispered to her, 
to pull the allegory into the biblical narrative, and she's accepted it. And now she's saying to, you know, the other person in the cage with her, it's hopeless. Let's just yeah. forget the idea of, of God being good or having integrity or worrying that we're going to sin by cursing God or, or charging him with wrongdoing. And that it'll ever stop. Right. And that yeah. it, you'll ever get out of it. That's, I think, the big, the big kind of wool over the eyes lie with a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. is that when you're in it, when you slip into it, either from circumstances or however, you're never going to get out of it. It's never going to be fixed. It's, you know, this is, this is going to be the reality until the day you die. That's exactly what the giant sells to them. Mm-hmm. There yeah. is no promise. There is no anything. This is all you have to look forward to. This cage, my club, that's your life. No yeah. food. You're going to see and smell food as I bring it down here and eat it in yep. front of you. But you're, ne- you're never going to have anything good again. There'll be no light. Yeah. And then right on the heels of that, in comes the light. Well, and then, Shining down, you yeah. know, and he has one of his fits and kind of reminding them or should be reminding them. This is, this too shall pass. This is a lie. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me, he said in the King James. Yeah. Um, That the most important word there is through. Hmm. And and God is with you and bringing you through. And even, you know, if it's a, a terminal illness and it's going to end with your death, if you're a Christian to live as Christ, to die as gain, your hope is in the celestial city and you will go through this. Hmm. It's not forever. Uh, and for many people, it is forever. Yeah. So take hope and, and take heart that there w- that there is better days ahead. There are, there is uh, a better land ahead. You know, this is something I added, but I thought the notion of because um, in in the text, hopeful does remind him that God has been faithful throughout. You were in a slough, remember, and he sent this guy yeah. help. You were in Vanity Fair, and he sent Mr. Greatheart. Uh, you know, so he's he's watching you, and he says, no, 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 that was when I was walking in the way. I was on yes. his side of the wall. I was in the light. Now I'm over here. No, I'm out that. of his domain. I'm in the dark. He can't see me. Hmm. There's, there's no way he can see me. And if he can, obviously, he doesn't care because he has left me here. Hmm. And it's been like a day and a half. Right, and he hasn't fixed it yet. Right. Yeah. And, and that's so easy to sneer at that that kind of like petulant thought. Like he hmm. hasn't fixed it yet, so he's not powerful. And yet we always fall into it, right? Often, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, if, if there's any length of suffering or difficulty, we start to have that notion of- Unanswered prayer. Well, God, yeah. can you do this or not? Mm-hmm. Is it that you can't or that you won't? So mm-hmm. which is it? You know, and, and we won't think these things generally, you know, like explicitly, but those temptations, those those kind of impulses are, are bubbling there because of our flesh and the devil and the world. The idea that either God is unloving or maybe not real mm-hmm. or maybe not all that powerful and all of those are going to affect Christian. And I think it's so fascinating that they don't affect Hopeful all that much. Yeah. Is he riding that kind of new convert zeal still? Yeah. Where, you know, nothing in the world can bring you down and you're ready to go to, you know, the pyre tomorrow, if need be, for what you believe, um, because you have all that zeal. If just... he has that zeal, he caught it from Christian and Faithful, though, watching Faithful right. literally go and burn at the stake. Mm-hmm. And yet, yeah, and and... How cool is it then that this guy, Christian, who despite himself helped lead Hopeful to faith by his example is now being ministered to by Hopeful almost immediately. Gosh, I love that. And that's how life works in the in the church. Yeah, I think that. I think that being able to see people that are freshly amazed at their salvation mm-hmm. can pull you out of all sorts of cranky or 
depressive um, episodes that you may be in as a Christian where, oh, that's, that's true of me too. That's how I should be too, because I was a sinner, if not worse than this person. And yeah. yes, it is amazing that God has showed me mercy. And, and, and I think the longer that we walk with Christ, sometimes we can tend to lose some of that, some of that exuberance, some of that excitedness about what's been done for you, who did it in your place, the fact that you're walking towards him to spend eternity with him, um, the fact that your reward is seeing his face, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of, you know, this beatific vision that we're supposed to have as Christians. And we can lose sight of that in kind of the everyday uh, drudgery that we get caught down in and this person's sick and I have to do this with my kids and this happened and this has happened. And suddenly that great, great salvation is just something that's true. It's just a truth but it's a truth just like you pay taxes. It's a truth just like you yeah, need you to have, eat. You have a house, you have a roof over your head, and you're thankful for it, but then you take it for granted. It's just yeah. – it's a thing that's there. And then you start looking at it with side eye like, well, there's all these limitations to it. It's not mm -hmm. big enough or whatever. Yeah. It, when you and I saw um, John Piper preach last mm -hmm. year, he talked about this idea of you are going to go to the gallows tomorrow. Mm. And then someone stands in your place and dies, and you wake up that day – the next day and the next day after the next day after then your first thought is i don't i don't have to die i'm not condemned anymore someone died for me and you're thankful but it begins to fade yeah and then and then he had a different in the same sermon a different um metaphor for the same notion which was it, there's a difference between walking out of jail after 30 years and just going oh i'm free and walking out of jail after 30 years and hugging your wife mm -hmm. and like for as christians it, it won't last forever, the notion of, oh, I'm free. my I'm no longer in the bondage that I was. Yeah, that's there, and we're thankful for it. And and the scriptures even call us to, not to forget about it, but to remember what we were forgiven of. Yeah. But the thing that will last is walking out of the prison, walking out of the grave, and embracing Christ. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, the it's not just the absence of, of death and sin it's the presence of Christ, which is what you were just saying. So, you know, you, John Piper, great yeah. minds saying this kind of stuff. High praise. <laughs> Did you see the Undeserved. video? Undeserved. Yeah. Did you see the video where he's preaching? <laughs> and he oh, stops boy. and he goes, oh, hold on a minute. My my Apple Watch is telling me that I fell down because he was gesturing, you know, the John <laughs> Piper way. <all. laughs> it is so funny. Gosh, that guy's just a, a treasure. <laughs> so let's go into the next text here. This is the very next sentence. Uh, the, the giant says, for why, said he, should you continue to choose life seeing that it is filled with so much bitterness? And now uh, the texts are John 1, 5, 8, 12, and 12, 46, all from, from John's gospel. John 1, 5 reads, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Mm. That's an interesting verse because it's translated various ways. Either the darkness has not overcome it or the darkness has not recognized it, um, apprehended it. And, and so almost like apprehended in both senses, right? <laughs> yeah, the darkness couldn't capture it and they couldn't understand it. Hmm. And yet the light has come. How does that apply here to this, this question asked by the giant? Well, again, I think it, I think I think it applies because because all of this, all of this coming from his wife, mistrust, is designed to lie to them. 
designed to get them to forget, right? Designed to pull them away from truths um, about themselves, about their master, right? Um, about their current situation. Um, uh, we've mentioned it before, but you know, you know the the really big trick of Satan, especially with saints, is getting them to to want to die. I think in some of these scenarios, because you've been brought to life, mm. you should be wanting life, right? Life everlasting. This is this is where you should be heading, and yet I'm going to sell you death again. I'm going to bring right. you right back to the point that I had you. Yes, which recalls, was in death. In fact, it says choose life. Why continue to choose life here? And that what you just said brings to mind in Deuteronomy. I have set before you uh, blessings and cursings, life and death. Mm-hmm. So choose life that you may live. Yeah. And and yet the the serpent kicked out of heaven. Yeah. And wandering the earth continues to say, no, 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 no. You know what's even a better choice? Death. <laughs> Which, yeah. What a salesman. Yeah. Well, but well, but you get there with all of these convenient lies. You get there with all of the, you're never getting out of this. Um, I'm going to have a new frightful image to give you every day. So this day I'm going to beat you. And then that didn't work. So the next day I'm going to show you all the skulls and mm-hmm. see, look, look at the hopelessness. No one's ever gotten out of here before, right? I'm just going to show you all of the corpses that we have. Which hopeful, even the neophyte that he is, knows for a fact that people have escaped. He's heard right. the stories. Mm-hmm. But when you're in it, there's no escape. Right, exactly. How could you escape? If you're mm. in a, and I've got them in a cage within a locked dungeon, within yeah. a locked castle, guarded by an enormous giant that can beat them at will. You know, like Tom Cruise can't get out of this. <laughs> he, he, he can't climb the the side of the, I don't know, he did break into the Vatican in that one movie. It was kind of cool, but I don't think that uh, he can think get out of I think they're similar. I think the Vatican and Castle Despair is similar. Oh, I'm not trying to make any. That's saying uh, something. No, that's okay. I mean, we're probably trying to make here. any <laughs> connection between the two giants we've seen so far. <laughs> Maybe they're related. <laughs> Third cousins. Distantly, yeah, yeah. You know what I forgot to do and meant to do, and it really bums me out? Uh oh. I meant to have this giant have six fingers on each hand. Right. Remember that little just reference there of, uh, you know, there were some of the Anakim, and there was one that had 12 fingers and 12 toes. Um, but oh well. Put it. I'll put it into the the written edition. But yeah, I do. I I think I think that all of this is predicated around lies. Everything is about for getting them to forget all of their truths. So I mean, here is the truth, right? The light came, and the darkness did not overcome it. You're not in a place that's been overcome. You're not in a place that you know your salvation doesn't mean anything. You're not in a place where if you could find an effective way to use the tools, which they do, um, they're going to be unsuccessful. You know, right. a lot of it seems to be waiting out, waiting out the time and having a game plan for waiting it out, um, which for Christian is, is hopeful. How about uh, John eight twelve? Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Of course, in first John, John picks up that same theme, mm-hmm. uh, talking about walking in the light as he is in the light. And they have walked off into darkness. Yeah. And that gives the enemy a little uh, ammunition to say, what are you doing down here if you're really people of the light? Mm. And so it comes down to a, a matter of identity. I'm in this place, but I don't belong here. Yeah. And I'm not going to be staying here. And that's what Hopeful says. He's mm-hmm. like, the first chance, I'm going to kill this guy yeah. or I'm going to run like crazy or whatever. I'm not staying. Doing, yeah, doing doing what they should have done in the first place. You know, we talked about it a little bit last time. But, yeah. you know, they should have stood. They should have fought. 
They should have drawn their weapons. They should have, instead of instantly cowering in fear, like Israel did before Goliath. Right. And it's Someone the same thing out, with, you know? with sin too, right? I mean, yeah. where you, you can almost always look back to where in thought, word, or deed, you went, well, I'm this far in. May as right. well just climb into the cage and be locked in, like go all in on it. Yeah. And and those moments, um, you know, not to make too much of John Piper, but <laughs> he's called the mirage moments where you look and you see, you know, an oasis where you know there's just desert and you purposely act stupidly and tell yourself, just believe it's an actual oasis. I know it's a mirage, but just believe there's actually life and satisfaction there and that it's crisp, cool water and not just more hot sand. And when you get there and you're like, yeah, all right, now I'm really in the in the soup here or yeah. in the slough or in the cage. And that's exactly what they do. Hopeful immediately is like, we can rectify this. Yeah, we can get out. Christian is just interested in one being sorry for himself because it was his fault mm-hmm. and two, uh, blaming hopeful, even though he's already acknowledged it's his own fault right? and, and turning against his brother and three, giving up all hope and saying, and, and advocating for despair and then saying, you know, I think it's a very interesting question. Will we really be ruled by this giant? Can we be ruled by this giant and hopeful saying you're the one who wants to do what he says. Like right. the way to be ruled by the giant is to do exactly what you're saying, to give up all hope and, and, and just give in. I'm saying let's fight the giant. How are you framing that where, where you're the one who is, who is being defiant? Uh, it's, it, it, you know, he's being defiant against the king of the, the, the celestial land. Mm. That's what got them there to, to begin with. Right. But he, like you said, he's not thinking straight. And, and you never think straight in these, in these moments. How about that uh, third one from John, uh, John 12, 46? Well, you have the light. Believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Mm. Yeah. Believing in the light, even when you're in the dark. In this case, they've kind of chosen the dark, mm-hmm. kind of surrendered to the dark. Well, and there needed to be a lot more kind of defensive building, I think, done before before you even headed into the darkness, which is never good to do. But in case you do end up in darkness, right, well, you have the light, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you have this. And I think Jesus is obviously talking about, well, he's, he, well, 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 he's on well I'm here. Yeah. Take advantage of it because um, it's going to get harder. From you know, from here on out. But yeah, while you're in, while you're not well, dealing you're on with that despair. Way. Yeah, while you're walking, you know, alongside of you the know river. the river, yeah. and and you're drinking the water, which is you know you know just like re- reviving you, and and these wonderful fruits are going from trees, and you're seeing other people, right, other pilgrims that are just fishing, and and, and you know it's like you know you know take that moment to reassure yourself, build yourself up solidify that foundation that you have in Christ, on Christ, that that this is who I belong to, this is who I am. I'm not who the giant says I am. I'm not who Satan says I am. I'm not who, this is who I am. Yeah, well, while you're feasting in the mm-hmm. Palace Beautiful, yeah. while you're spending a whole day in the yeah. archives hearing about the great king, yeah. and of course, you ought to be in the Palace Beautiful weekly, yeah. uh, so you should be strengthened regularly. Yeah. The problem is, in again, taking it out of the allegory in mm-hmm. real life, there are Lord's Days yeah. when you are feeling despair, mm-hmm. and you don't even want to go to the palace, yeah. and you drag yourself there. And you say, okay, these promises or these words or this food isn't, it just isn't hitting me, you know, like, like it should have been. And, and in those moments, you really have to just say, I, I believe in the light. 
Lord of Believe, yeah. help my unbelief. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I believe that I really am a child of light. Here I am. I'm eating this. I'm drinking this. I'm hearing these words. I'm singing these words. And I'm going to love and praise as an act of my will. Yeah. The will, which by its, its very nature is a gift from God who unshackled yeah. my, you know, me from my sins. And then maybe the feeling will come later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what's, what's hard to do now, right, right now, even if it doesn't make sense to me, even if I don't want to do it, I'm going to walk my son up the hill mm, and get ready to right. plunge the dagger into his, you know, heart. I don't want to do that. And That's I'm not telling, comfortable. <laughs> telling him we're going to go up and we're going to worship God together. Right. And then we're going to come back down. Jonathan Swift has a quote that things can be above reason without being contrary to it. Mm. It's not like deciding to be illogical. It's trusting that God's logic, the God who says, come, let us reason, is above, beyond, and bigger than what I could comprehend. Yeah. And that when I come into his presence... You know, I might feel like Peter. I'm a, I'm a sinful man away from me. I might feel like Isaiah. No, 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 You got the wrong guy. I'm unclean lips, unclean mm -hmm. people. But he Moses, knows what he's doing. Moses, you have a stutter. Yeah. Yeah, Moses. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't speak. Mm -hmm. And who made man's mouth? Did right. not I. So praise me with it and mm -hmm. do what you were intended to do. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. We might say I'm having a hard time enjoying him today, but I can still glorify him. Yeah. And the more I glorify him, the more I will then come to enjoy him. And that, we see that happen, not to steal our own thunder, but as they do begin to praise and, and, and Christian gives into this notion of, yeah, let's do this. That's when these things start to flow for him. And, and something that's so, so important and so primary for me whenever I'm really, really in the dumps um, is just that first question of the Heidelberg Catechism. What is my soul comfort here as a Christian? That I, with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who, with his precious blood, hath fully satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from all the power of the devil, and so preserves me that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair, hair can fall yes. from my head. Yea, that all things must be subservient to my salvation, and therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me sincerely willing and ready henceforth to live unto him. Yes. You know, you know, it's a question of identity in these moments and, and, and the more we can do to shore up that identity, to say that I belong with my body, with my soul, every single hair on my head is, uh, belongs to the creator and the sustainer of the universe, right? And you get that, get that big image of Jesus in your mind, get that, get that Colossians, Colossians one image of Jesus in your mind. He's the reason for everything. And he's mm -hmm. the thing that holds all things together. And that's who you belong to. So, yeah, I'm a couple miles off of the road I need to be on, and I'm in this dungeon, but all of these things are still true. This will be subservient to my salvation as mm -hmm. well. On the final day, this will be someone who's thrown into the lake of fire as well. You know, you know despair will be something that is no more. There will be right. no more tears. Yeah. Yeah. There will be yeah, no more. Every, yeah. yeah. So, so the things that are, are tied to the fall that will be finally burned away yeah. with the old order of things, yeah, you can count sorrow, despair, doubt, apprehension, yeah. the whole lot of them uh, amongst that number, and I will be saved on mm -hmm. that same day, knowing that might even be kind of cold comfort at times, mm -hmm. but cling to that comfort anyway. Yeah. So when the giant leaves, he knows he's seed sowed some seeds, and they have kind of taken root more, far more in Christian than in hopeful, and Christian starts 
speaking like the giant, mm. parroting the giant's words. This guy that he was ready to fight to the death just a little while ago. Yeah. But hey, sword wouldn't come out. Mm. So where's my hope? Um, and he says, my brother, what shall we do? The life that we now live is miserable. For my part, I do not know whether it is best for us to live as we are or to die at our own hand. My soul chooses strangling rather than life. And the grave appears more desirable than this dungeon. And he's actually quoting Job here. Let me give you a little context and read Job 7, 13 through 15. When I say my bed will comfort me, my couch will ease my complaint. Then you scare me with dreams and terrify me with visions so that I would choose strangling and death rather than my bones. I loathe my life. I would not live forever. Even that, like I don't want eternal life. I wouldn't live forever. If this is life... Just give me the grave. Just give me Sheol. Just give me nothing. Nothingness mm. is better than this. And this is certainly a position that Christians find themselves in regularly. I, I would say every Christian at some point, probably not to the same degree, but to some degree finds themselves struggling uh, with this because our, our lives are, are, even if they're relatively easy and full of comforts, are also full of death of loved ones, sorrowful things, illness, um, you know, despair is linked often to circumstance and it's linked often to other things that are, that are rooted in, you know, just the brokenness and the fall. And then as ministers and as uh, just disciples, brothers and, and sisters of people who are struggling, I think you have to just be so careful not to think of, of this temptation as a sin, mm. you know, like, because once you tell someone to repent of the way that they're tempted to go, you're pushing them farther away. The fact that the temptation to sin is not a sin is oftentimes something that gets just overlooked. And yeah. we go, well, that's bad. Being tempted is bad. Well, sure. Jesus but, was tempted though. <laughs> but it's in a always. different fight though from saying I've given in to the temptation. Now what do I do? Right. Yeah. You repent of it. You run away from it. You you you, you make the 180 degree turn and you, you run in the opposite direction. Sure. But you haven't given into it yet. So, so you know, it's different battle plans. Different things need to be drawn out. And we as brothers need to be, and sisters in Christ need to be approaching it that way. How do I help you deal with temptation is a different question than how do I help you deal with sinning. And despair itself, you know, that there is sinful thought in this. Yeah. In, in thinking Christ's promises are not yes and amen. They are null and void, right? Mm -hmm. But the way you call someone out of that kind of darkness is so much different than how the Corinthian church is told to, to call someone out of sexual sin. Right. There's this grievous sexual sin in first Corinthians. And he's like, go tell this guy you're out yeah. for now, because yeah. this is not how Christians should think or act or behave or, or even how they should want to behave. Put them out, expel the immoral brother. I think you have to have this Christ-like heart that approaches the smoldering wick knowing that if I start, you know, shouting at it, I'm just going to blow it out. <laughs> right. You have to be loving and gentle and lowly and careful with it. And the the times that I have been uh, closest to, you know, true despair, or even maybe cross the line into it, the people who have come alongside me, for example, uh, a guy named Brian, who's our executive minister, uh, I, I think maybe my wife tells him when I'm despairing mm. or... Just as like uh, the Baptist version of a bishop, he just kind of knows. Wow! From the night visions, I don't know, but when he he'll from call the me night visions. <laughs> <laughs> the the <laughs> true pastoral heart of mm. care. It doesn't. There's no accusation in it. You know, there's there's just I'm gonna kind of build under you 
a lattice of reminders of how much God loves you and what Christ has done for you and that I am here with you and for you. And I'm not going to like poke at you and mm. say, climb up on that thing. I'm just, I'm going to, it's going to be careful. It's going to be gentle. And that's, that's a, a thing that I think maybe, and it's speaking of generations, the youngest generation does really well right now. Uh, being gentle and careful with people not to shove and prod and push and push them right out the back door of the church. Right. Maybe to a fault. Maybe sometimes there needs to be confrontation. So anything well, can be taken too far, but maybe maybe there's something to be learned from them, just like Christian learns from Hopeful about how we can gently keep people from, you know, when there's hurt, quote, quote unquote, church hurt, keep them from just walking away from it forever if it's dealt with gently and understandingly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like we said, right? I mean, different sins require different approaches to kind of deal with them. So here's, I think, where it gets a little controversial, though. Hmm. When Hopeful gives him both the kind of caring, loving, you need to, to not do this, take heart, take hope, remember what you've endured, remember what God has done for you and how he's never left you. He also comes at him with kind of this careful, remember that if you kill yourself, mm-hmm. you're not just killing the body, like if you murdered someone else, but you're killing the soul because you, you uh, die in the act of being a murderer and all murderers uh, go to hell. Uh-huh. And there is, I think, in it a, I think there is a faulty but common way of thinking about suicide, which was probably very common in the 17th century, hmm. but probably also relates to a leftover. Remember, Puritans and the Baptists who arose out of them are in the process of reforming. Ecclesia reformata, semper reformanda, right? So the church reformed, always reforming. And I think there's some leftover Roman Catholic theology about mortal and venial sins here, uh, which, I mean, there's a scene in the the best version of Luther's life on film, uh, the one with uh, Joseph Fiennes. That's probably not pronounced Fiennes. It's pronounced weird. Uh, but you know the guy I'm talking about, uh, where they're not going to let him bury a mentally ill boy who hangs himself in the church cemetery, the Christian cemetery, because he has to go to hell because he committed suicide. And... Luther knows just intrinsically from having read the Bible and having read Jesus' story that that's nonsense, that this poor boy was just trapped by his own mind, his own circumstance, his own hopelessness, and that Jesus will forgive him. And so he picks him up, he walks right into the church cemetery, and he delivers this amazing sermon while he digs that grave, and he buries him with a Christian uh, burial and and it's a really powerful like goosebumps scene, and I think Bunyan would have done well to uh, watch that and be reminded. <laughs> and I don't know if that's I, I, yeah. I don't know if that's really based on a time. real Lutheran right. uh, event in Luther's life, hmm. but like the idea here, I, I I had him say this stuff and then say, do we dare to tempt God with this? Like, we do you really want to tempt God by? having the last act of your life be taking a life. Not that you definitely won't be forgiven, but that it's just not the smart play for someone who's following Jesus. Yeah. And, and well, it's, it's a very sensitive thing to even talk about. It'd be the easiest thing would be to just not talk about it, but you and I are bold men, so we, here we are. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people I really respect kind of talk about this 
um, I don't remember what event it was at, but it did it, 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 something to do with mental health. To talk about it and especially how they've dealt with it inside of their ministries. Because inevitably, I think if you're in a pastoral role, yeah, it will come up. Something like this comes along, and you have to, I think, maybe even by the seat of your pants, figure out what you think. It, just because it it's a lot different than just reading about it, because you're seeing it lived out. The tears are in your office, right? Um, uh, th- these are people that you love and that you're actually involved with. One is to treat, not treat all instances the same every single time, especially with something like this, because because there's a lot of things that someone committing suicide could communicate, I think. There's, I think, yeah, probably an argument that you can make that what does that say about that person's faith? What does that say about that person's, could say a lot of things. Could say they're so sure that they know where they're going, they're, 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 that they're checking out now. I don't know. I don't know how dark I want to get here. You also get into but, a more complicated issues in our modern world of if you don't take every single extreme treatment option, hmm. are you kind of by omission doing this and people will get down on that and, and go right. down these well, crazy rabbit holes where you're, you're like you're accusing someone of sort of playing God while playing God hmm. by parsing out these things that are above, I think, our pay grade. And, and really, we need to just treat all of them with excessive amounts of grace yeah. and compassion. I, I, I was institutionalized for this, you know? I've 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 dealt with some of these problems to I think lesser extremes maybe than other people, but you can't really communicate where you are in your head. I think to other people who aren't who aren't there, it's an extreme solution to an extreme problem. And if you haven't been there, it's really really hard to put into words that you'd even start to consider that your best solution in this scenario is to take your own life. That's the best thing I can come up with. Because I'm, I'm out of other options. Anywhere I turn, anywhere I look, anyone I turn to, um, they don't have anything for me. This is the best thing that I could possibly come up with to take in my own life. It's really hard to get into like the psyche of someone who's there too. And when you think about that in your past, can you like connect with it, or does it seem kind of foreign and odd? Well, I mean, I think by the grace of God, I've definitely had fits since I've been saved of large depressive times. You're my pastor, you know this, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but but it's never been fully to the point where I'm the, like, that's the solution on the table. And I know I'm checking that box. And I know that's the option that I'm taking. Um, because, because at that time, when that was the option I was willing to take, I wasn't a safe person. I wasn't thinking about my immortal soul. I wasn't thinking about where I was going. I was a, you know, run of the mill atheist. And I figured, well, you know, warm food's warm food. Right. Yeah. That's what it is. I, I don't believe in anything. Is there any so, real difference between a living person and a dead person chemically other than, you know, decomp- it, yeah, right. It doesn't like, really ma- make gases. any difference. What's fascinating to me about your story, which you've shared a lot of on this, mm. is that you really had the experience kind of, of being at absolute yeah. despair to a point where you were thinking the best option was just to no longer be alive, mm-hmm. encountered the gospel, uh, which you had encountered before, but it, meant it, it had a new power to it now, got saved, put your faith in Jesus, and, I'm, and it didn't fix everything immediately, but it did provide the key that unlocked the cage in some sense, did it not? Yeah. I tried my hardest to be a, a very consistent nihilist. So you know, when you're not thinking of everything inside of a box of nothing matters, there's no impact across the board. People will be sad. 
but those people will die and they won't be sad. So, you know, who cares? When you think about things in kind of a greater cosmic web and you actually start believing in eternality as a thing that's real, then suddenly you start gravitating, I think, towards, towards promises and towards the fact that, oh, this isn't how I'm always going to be. Even when I am like this, this isn't always how I'm going to be because inevitably it'll end, right? Inevitably, these things will be thrown into the lake of fire. Inevitably, these things will be put under Christ's feet. There will be a time either inside of my life or in eternity where I don't cry anymore, you know, where every tear is wiped, where I'm experiencing the greatest bliss that there is and there is no sadness because I'm with Christ. I think having those promises to fall back on in really, really dark times. And then also with a really, really wonderful wife, having someone who's able to effectively communicate the gospel to me 24-7 essentially, you know, someone who's able to be there with you up late at night when you mm-hmm. can only cry and, and stuff like that. And I'm Christian in that scenario. And yeah, I have the promises, but who cares? You know, they're not, they're not real or they're not this or they're not that whatever the case is, you have someone next to you saying, no, they are real. They're real. They're real for me, you know, because I'm living them and they're real for your friends and they're real for your children, you know, and and and, and you just got to fight through this moment and then to remind you, do you remember last August when you were in this exact same scenario, this exact same feeling, that exact logical web of, well, it, it didn't work this Sunday and it's not going to work next Sunday and getting together with people isn't going to fix it and being honest isn't going to fix it. Mm-hmm. It's over. It's done. You had a good run. You put in 30 years. What more can anyone ask? To kind of run that back to you and say, is that true though? No, it wasn't. Because then you had an entire year, you know, where you were fine and you were wonderful. Yeah. And you enjoyed your kids and you had fun with your friends and, you know, you know, you know, you, you did wonderful, great, awesome strides inside of your walk with Christ, you know. Um, remember those times. But I think sometimes it takes someone to remind you. Someone yeah, there who's yeah. able to actively recount back to you, which again goes back to the why you need people. You need other people. In both of our lives, I think our spouses are in my in my marriage, I think I am often hopeful for my wife mm. and she is hopeful for me, you know, right. in those in those situations, which is the beautiful part about a relationship like that. And I'm and I don't say that to say that single people can't have this Christian and, and hopeful or have this brotherhood of, mm-hmm. of faith and uh, you know, just think about like David and Jonathan, like the yeah. closeness of of the relationship between two. Uh, just, Timothy and Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People who love Jesus, and yeah, so they have some kind of father and son mm-hmm. relationships, um, both familial and you know within the household of faith. You have mother daughter thing, sisterly kind of connections. All of this stuff is a gift from God, mm. and it doesn't look like that gift from God. Yeah, that's why you don't answer the phone when you're that low. You're like, I don't want that gift right now. Mm. You need it, Mm. and it's coming. Yeah, and and so those I think also are people who are they're not going to be annoying like Job's friends, but they're also not going to let you bivouac yourself away and isolate yourself and just stew in your despair. They're going to stay with you for a while, and then they're going to kind of like point at your Mm. (laughs) point at the 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 key on your your breastplate help you pull it out Mm -hmm. help you insert and and and, you know hopeful and christian even kind of together have to turn the key yeah uh, and the the final because it's it's rusted or it's Mm. something about it is is harder takes two to get out um and yeah this is this is a real picture of the beauty of the church why jesus sends his disciples out two by two Mm. not solo 
and why in the book of Revelation, the church is pictured as two witnesses. Mm. You can't even send somebody to jail for for a week on the on one witness. You need two, mm. two or three. When two or more are gathered in my name, this is yeah. the, the way that the church is, is pictured. Of three, you know, three strongs doesn't break. Yeah, uh, yeah, the three-stranded cord. Yeah. And, and you know, maybe you even have this here because you've got Christian, you've got hopeful, you've got faithful in the sense of the cloud of witnesses. Yeah. Uh, so he's kind of even present in this discussion. Mm. Remember what you and faithful have been through. And you know, you've got the Holy Spirit. You've got mm. indwelling you. The text that is given here to kind of undergird what hopeful says, uh, first is Exodus 20, 13, which is just from the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder. And then 1 John 3, 15, uh, where we read, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Mm. Uh, I think if I were to take umbrage with that, with with hopeful, I would say, are you telling me that no one who hates their brother really can have eternal life? Because mm. I've hated my brother. A- am I the man in the iron cage? And and I think it, it wouldn't take much for him <laughs> to see, even I think if he doesn't believe the kind of medieval view of suicide being this mortal sin, this this unforgivable sin, as if there was a second one that Jesus didn't mention. You know, right. every sin can be forgiven except, and there's the mm-hmm. second one. I think maybe it was just a, a move. Maybe it was just a way to slow this guy down. Think about the seriousness of what you're suggesting. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's what he was doing. And I think that that is a valuable thing. I mean, it, it, just to slow down, think about what you actually believe. Think about Think about judgment. Think about standing before, you know, God. Think about what an act like suicide says to him your complete dependence on him. He wasn't enough in that moment. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't enough to, uh, uh, to lean on or to cast your anxieties on or to this or that. You communicate something when you decide to act in these ways. Just like when I'm in a depressive action, I, I oftentimes communicate things that are not true. Mm-hmm. They're just not true. And it may not be what I think, but it's still what I'm communicating to other people by saying that, well, I'm not going to pray. Well, why? Is it because I, I don't think it's going to work? Yeah, exactly. But I know that's wrong. Right. I know prayer yeah. does work. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to read my Bible, right? That's just not what I'm going to do. Again, because I think it's not going to work. Yeah. No, I know it is. I don't care that it's going to work. I don't care that I could cast my anxieties on him and he would care for me, you know, and that, that Jesus in every single way can, you know, you know, you know, say, hey, been there, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. I know what it is. Um, uh, even sweat blood and told my closest friends that my soul was overwhelmed to the point of death. Yeah. So I've yeah, been there. what you're going through, because I was going to be tortured to death the next day. Yeah. So, so whatever I might be going through at this moment yeah. pales in comparison to what he endured on my behalf. And, and what a, I mean, when, when you are going through something, there are support groups as a, as a phenomenon for a reason. You know, like the, there's some comfort in talking to people who really know. Yeah. When, when I talk to people who've been through combat mm. and, you know, they're struggling, I can listen, I can pray for them. I can't really know what they're going. I can't yeah. know what they're going through. I can, I've watched movies about it. I've heard stories about, it. I can't know what they're going through. Yeah. But if they get together with other people who know the nuances of it, and then when you remember that Christ is that guy mm-hmm. who's been tempted in all ways as we are, who's faced despair, who's, who's, and, and someone might think that this is blasphemous. Jesus dealt with doubt. Mm. A thousand percent, he dealt with doubt. And yet he did not give in to doubt. He encountered doubt the way Christian encountered, you know, buy-ins and mm. company along the road. And yeah. he just defeated them 
in his in his reasoning and his thinking, he didn't get into a cage or get thrown into a cage and get locked into it. And so having somebody who's been through all of it and saying, I'm not going to turn to him is silly, mm. but we keep, we, that, that's the, the really nefarious part about, and I don't think either of us has said the word depression because it's a fraught term because it's also a clinical term. So yeah. that's why I'm being careful not to. And we're going to talk about that Karen Swallow prior piece and stuff uh, before we get done. But like, I think that's what's so nefarious about all this stuff because it convinces you to cut yourself off from the person who's both closest to you mm. and knows best what you're going through and can stay with you and ultimately walk you back out of it. Yeah. Because you're not good enough. Or, right. Yeah. Or, be, or because you're in this moment of doubt and you know that he wouldn't like them. He, he wouldn't like that doubt. He wouldn't understand that doubt. You know, he wouldn't. He, I've blown it. Yeah. So, so, you know, you're better off just sitting here with me until you fix it. That kind of great lie of, well, if I can't defeat the Christian, then I'll stagnate him. You know, I'll keep him. I'll keep him just right here in the mire for as long as possible and saying that, well, well, you know, surely, surely going to Christ would, would fix this. That's Mm-mm. two thirds of what, you don't get to do what uh, screw tape writes to Wormwood, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It's all, all those Distract strategies. Him. Once he's saved, it's like, all right, it's a whole different ball game now. Yeah. It's just, you play out the clock so that he has no real impact and he has no real enjoyment and takes no satisfaction in his faith. You can do it. Mm-hmm. Here's all these tools. Yeah. And yeah, the, the longer you, you listen. So this is the case where the opposite is true. In the dealing with the giant despair, you want to be quick to speak and slow to listen yeah. and quick to become angry yeah. and quick to draw your sword yeah. and quick to take his head. Uh, and remember, slaying giants is a time-honored tradition in our, in our <laughs> right. holy book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we can, if David can slay Goliath because of the power of, of Yahweh, this God who created everything, we also can slay these, these giants. Now, again, we've used the word depression, and I don't want you to hear me saying the wrong thing. In fact, let's just jump into that a minute before we finish these texts. The Way of Glory, which was a, a great, though I think kind of short-lived uh, podcast dealing with the, the Pilgrim's Progress. Christianity Today put it out. It was an enjoyable listen, and, and it did a lot of good for me. Uh, the one where they talk about the giant despair, Karen Swallow Pryor, the notorious KSP, uh, <laughs> that's her oh, Twitter boy. handle. <laughs> she's she's so great. Oh, I really enjoy her stuff. Uh, I think she's she's a, a solid voice in in a lot of this stuff because literature is her her bag, her expertise, and especially from this kind of period. And I'll link to in the the uh, episode notes. I'll link to that that uh, podcast episode and, and and the transcript of it. But she talks about how where people have tried to throw this chapter, especially of the Pilgrim's Progress under the bus as being pre-understanding of depression really is Mm. and a very outdated worldview and stuff that really we're dealing here with something other than what you would call clinical depression that, and all cards on the table, neither Mr. Sagacity nor myself has any degrees <laughs> in any of the, these yeah. fields, yeah. Uh, psychology, psychiatry, or any of the like. Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah. but, but she's saying what he's dealing with is a, a fairly common category in Puritanism, which is this kind of dark night of the soul, the, the darkness that comes in, the enemy coming and bringing darkness. It is a reality. You just des- described how it was a reality in your life in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. 
And it's not something we want to just say, oh, because there exists something um, that we don't fully understand, which is clinical depression, which which people can benefit then from prescription medication, that we should never talk about it in spiritual terms, hmm. never acknowledge that there is a spiritual element or that there is a form of despair and even, yes, depression that isn't best treated with uh, a, a trip to someone who can pull out a prescription pad and just fix it, but really requires some some struggling with it and wrestling with it and learning to hold tight to God. Uh, just like even if you broke your leg, yeah, you'd get the right care. You'd want that thing set and the cast put on, but it probably is going to involve uh, a spiritual struggle and, and learning to lean on God more because you are less less able to be self-reliant. And she really, I think it's worth listening to to that whole interaction. She brings to light, I think, that, that uh, a lot of people over the years have greatly benefited from the way Bunyan portrays this stuff and remembering Christian in that, that cage and then finding that, remem- remembering that key and getting out and escaping. It can bring hope. Um, what we want to avoid is, I, I heard a preacher once tell us, the world tells you that when you're sad, what you need is a bunch of pills. But the only pill you need, the only Don't pill, dear friends, Don't say it. is the gospel. Oh. And he barely stopped short <laughs> of saying, go home. If you've got any prescriptions that are supposed to help you with depression mm-hmm. or anxiety, flush them down the toilet. Dangerous. Which, holy cow, what are you yeah. doing now, are some of these things overused, overprescribed? Yes. Probably. Again, this is not my field. Was, it seems, yes. Yeah. You you have I've, I've, your I've own experience. Experience of, with them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But but to to say that, you know, the solution to all of this is just the gospel, just the the I I don't think that any of these scenarios in the Pilgrim's Progress are meant to represent all scenarios. Mm-hmm. They're his experience along yeah. the road with the tools he had available to him and and those tools Get him out mm. of the the cage. Um, what were your thoughts, uh, maybe beyond that, on on the the thing with Karen Swallow Pryor and and the way that the way of glory dealt with this? Uh, yeah, I I think she uh, I really appreciate drawing attention to. Um, we've we've changed some of the words already just to just to kind of modernize the words, but like yeah, you know you know opening up an older dictionary, not a modern dictionary to like define terms and look at words and this and that because words change. Mm-hmm. Words mean different things to different people. Diffidence is a great example. Yeah, yeah we had you to know, change it. You know, and, and if despair could mean something different. Always a big, big fan of doing your due diligence with whatever you're studying, giving that person their era that they were in and what that meant to that person. Um, it's useful in Bible study. It's yeah. It's if you're a KJV only study. person, you definitely need the same 17th century uh, dictionary. <laughs> no joke. Yeah, you do. That you do for reading yeah. Bunyan to read that because some words have changed meaning, and it's a great Bible. But you have to read it in that 17th century context. And the same thing is true, yeah, even when you're dealing with, you know, like the Greek word here, and you're like, oh, I kind of know that Greek word, and I looked it up in my Strong's Concordance, and I realized it's where we get our word dynamite. Okay, mm. careful, buddy. Don't grab this thing and yank it into our day and age and world, but thrust yourself back into the world of the document. And the same thing is true here. So this is one of the quotes I want to talk about. So Christian and Hopeful find themselves trapped in the dungeon of Doubting Castle, imprisoned by giant despair and his wife. 
diffidence, diffidence here meaning distrustful. Uh, this setting also parallels the captive's experience as despair is responsible for carrying the pilgrims into fits of doubt. Today, we tend to see this as the opposite, Pryor says. As modern Christians, we would say, if we doubt, that can carry us to despair. Mm. But Bunyan's insight is very provocative because it actually despair that leads us to doubt. <laughs> Again, no one size fits all people. We're we're all walking down the same path, but you know we're, we're coming from different backgrounds and different baggages and, 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 and different stuff. I guess I had never... Um, She's saying that this is how we'd view it today, right? If we doubt, that can lead us to despair. Um, I, I guess I've always felt more of that Bunyan way. Mm. Despair leads us to doubt. You know, you know, it, I'm feeling the despair first. You know, that's what I'm feeling first. Um, probably because it's a chemical brought on thing and not a, you know, not a environmentally brought on thing where, you know, you know, I'm already in despair and that leads me to doubt. Now, I think a really important question is what are we what are we doubting? Right? Are we doubting if if God exists even? Are we doubting our own salvation? So maybe this is all true, but it doesn't apply to me, right? Because because those are two, two different categories. So two different categories for two different people. Right? It's like the man in the iron cage, right? Um, what is he doubting? He's not saved. He knows he's not saved. But yet he still knows all this is true. Mm -hmm. This is going to happen to me. I'm going to face judgment. So, you know, I think that figuring out what exactly they're being encouraged to doubt. What exactly are they being encouraged to, uh, you know, and then and, and from that doubt, despair is drawn from it. The power of God to save them ultimately, I think, is yeah. one of the main things. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. That's That's something that I was... I was really trying to get to the bottom of was, you know, what exactly is being taken from them? The pile of bones, right? Did those people end up in the celestial city or do yeah. they not? I don't know. Yeah. That's the question. Did they? Because inside of the allegory, right, it's just the people that make it because, because crossing the river is actual death. That he, represents actual death, yeah. right? So, I mean, so, I mean, but these people- But doesn't get all the way to the end and cross the river. He dies. Sure, And he sure. goes to the celestial city. So, the, you know, the, these people that have died off of the narrow way in a- you know, dank dungeon somewhere else. Where did they end up? Is is their faith genuine? Was their faith going to pull them out of this? You know, and, and there's and a this, category in scripture for people who are saved as through the flames. You know, right. by the skin of their teeth. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, maybe it's not salvation. Then you know, maybe they're not being in, encouraged to doubt their salvation. Maybe they're encouraged to doubt all of it. Mm -hmm. Just all of it in general. There is no God. Right, there is no God. It's not just whether or not you're saved that's on the table. I'm going to take everything from you. There is no comfort at all. There's no meaning. You're going to live yeah. your life of despair, and everything is going to be terrible, and then you're going to die, and that's it. That's what I'm taking from you. Um, that's that. That's far darker. I feel, in in, in my opinion, because at least there's wrestling with salvation that can be brought, right, right. Right. At least there's some kind of that could prompt no, you to no, work this, it out with fear and trembling all exactly, the more. The exactly. Exactly. Trembling this, help. This can't be trouble or. I'm waiting for the right person to come along or this or that. If, if I'm taking it, all of it away from you, everything off the table, then I'm leaving you with nothing, you know? And that to me is what would drive someone to thoughts of suicide. Because seemingly, seemingly a lot of people are brought to doubting. I think many Christians doubt, but I think that rarely does doubting lead many Christians to true, to, despair, yeah. to true despair and thoughts of suicide. Typically you just leave the faith. 
Right. You just go, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm doubting. Oh, this isn't true. Is that almost what's happening here, though? It's an allegory. It's a form of suicide, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so leaving the, the, I mean, people do leave the path and go back to destruction or turn back. Right. So probably that's not what he's shooting for. He's probably, yeah, yeah so it's probably a rather literal thing. And it is rare. Yeah, it, it, someone, it's, but just like the man in the iron cage, once you are awakened to that truth, yeah. you know, that that is laid out in Hebrews, a notion of those who have tasted these things yeah. and you've tasted them and that's what you want but you're not willing to pay the price to have them, that is going to lead to true despair. And I, I mean, I've seen, I've seen people get really dark really quick as uh, what happens often is sin leads to doubt. And that's another one where we tend to think of it as the other direction. Oh, I began to doubt and then I fell into sin because I didn't care if I sinned or not. I didn't yeah. believe in the category. No, 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 no. Follow it back. I think we just talked about this maybe in the last episode, but but it's a, it's a similar topic here where doubt follows from from sin just like uh it, it does from despair yeah and 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 only that i think we could come up with biblical examples of this also then following out into physical right issues david's a really good example of this right sins with Bathsheba, unrepentant of it and he's feeling it physically in the psalms right he's talking about how it's hard to get up his bones are heavy it's a physical toll that this sin is taking on him so yeah why not sometimes it's this kind of bleakness, this kind of sadness, this kind of hopelessness is a physical manifestation of you being in unrepentant sin. That's, that's definitely possible, I think, which is why it's important to go to all avenues when we're dealing with stuff like this. Experience all the avenues. We don't just go completely chemical or completely spiritual or completely this. You know, we, we handle it like real adults handle things, and we <laughs> go to all avenues that we possibly can to figure out how do we fix this issue. Because it could be a combination of things, right? It, it, it could be all, I mean, I could tell you, I could tell you, yeah, that kind of talk with, you know, well, throw away your pills and this and that is maddening, I think, to hear. Because you think about how much damage you're going to do to people and their families and um, their churches and things like that, because they can find all of those answers um, within themselves or within their Bibles. And if they don't, then it's their problem. It's a, it's Job's friends all over again, mm -hmm. right? Right. Well, yeah. this is your this is your problem. This is your issue, and it can be fixed by you just identifying what's wrong, repenting of it, and then your kids are back. Right. You yeah. know, you're you have your possessions again. You're in, you're you're back in this loving, wonderful marriage where you didn't know that this reality exists in your you know spouse, where they're going to tell you Chris kill died. yourself. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, no, none of those things come back. He's already in the reality. It's also maddening because you, it's a, an example of a person whose call, supernatural call from the Lord is to proclaim the gospel. Yeah. And anytime someone is like, oh, so you mean the gospel and particular kind of politics? Yeah. Or the gospel in some weird uh, social agenda? Or the gospel and my take on mental health? Yeah. No. Yeah. Nope. Their In gospel. fact, that was another one of those uh, screw tape things. Just make sure they focus on Christianity and mm. uh, nope. Just just focus focus on proclaiming the gospel. And you know what? Trust that if somebody also needs help in another area, there's somebody that God has gifted. Uh, in that area and, and who has the skill and the experience to, to help in that area. Uh, there's another quote I wanted to talk about. So this article has snippets actually from the Pilgrim's Progress. And this is when he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's found the key in his bosom and he's attempting to unlock the door, right? Um, and that's it. That's how simple it was. He just, he just had to remember, oh, doy, 
I have these promises, <laughs> you know, uh, just, just it's been hanging around my neck or just it's been sitting on my chest this entire time. We could have been out of here this entire time. That's as easy. You know, just, 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 just that simple. Uh, if you're feeling this is too easy, Hallmark Solution, unavailable to us modern world-weary pilgrims, you are not alone. Is Bunyan suggesting that uh, dark nights of the soul, clinical depression, or grief can simply be left behind if we pray and remember the Bible's promises? No, he is not. Uh, for the Pilgrim's Progress, it is moments like this that we have to be careful try, to try and not read 20th and 21st century ideas onto the 17th century text, Byer says. Despair is not the same thing as clinical depression. Today, we might use those terms interchangeably, but I think that here Bunyan is talking about despair that is spiritual, despair in the classical tradition that Bunyan would have uh, been familiar with is having little hope for salvation, which can make one sad and sorrowful, and it is not the same thing as clinical depression. Um, and then, and then she goes on to kind of point the conversation back towards the cross mm-hmm. and say that this is this is the importance of the cross inside of these moments. This is the importance of 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 the you know finality of the cross. That it's an accomplished work. It is not something that is waiting to be fulfilled. It is not something that, you know, it's not something Christ is still on. It's, it's, it's not something that's happening still. Right. Cross is done. It it's is finished. finished. He's purchased you, you know? So, uh, again, I like that. I like that she goes, she, she brings it back to an identity issue or problem with whatever we're talking about. Um, uh, it, it, inside of this conversation, it is fi- finally who you belong to. Do you belong to Jesus or don't you? Well, if you do, Take hope, take heart, Mm -hmm. you know, get back in the fight. You know, it's going to suck. It's going to feel awful to do. You're not going to want to do it. But again, as we pointed out, right, Abraham didn't want to kill Isaac. Right. You know, Uh, I'm sure Moses, uh, I don't know Moses. uh, Moses didn't want to go and do any of it. Moses didn't want to go back to Egypt. He he had a nice little life, you know, kind of, kind of carved out for himself. Right. I mean, it, it. It's a hard thing to find people that want to go mm-hmm. to do all of the hard things that they're called to do. You know, you know, rarely are are are, are the saints anywhere in the Bible jumping up and down um, to say, "Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, let's do this. Let's, let's, let's go out." Especially before the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, it's, largely it's people that are being dragged out of scenario. Most people in the Bible didn't want to do the hard stuff that they were called to do. But you have to do it. You have to do it because of the value, right? Right. The 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 inexpressible, the unpassable value of the one that you serve. Mm-hmm. You have to do it. You have to get back up off the ground. You have to continue to fight the battle. You have to continue to kill sin. You know. You, you have to keep uh, presenting the gospel, no matter how much people mock you or ridicule you or hate you for it. You have to do these things because Christ is worth doing them for, um, and that includes whether or not we're feeling up to it. Yeah. In the day. That's been one of the big things dealing with a lot of my stuff and my children is that I still have the responsibility to be presenting Christ as the answer and the end for my issues to my children while dealing with the problem. Christ is enough, even if it doesn't look like dad is expressing it as enough. That's because that's dad's a sinner. That's because I've fallen. And then they see that and they see how you if respond honest, to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, what a wonderful teaching opportunity yeah. that becomes too. Yeah. I, I think you, you might have missed the most important one there, which is that Jesus didn't want, want to go right, to the cross, exactly. yeah. and yet he did for us. And so yeah. when I don't want to do all this stuff, I can remember that, mm. you know, in, in that moment where he said, no, nah, take this away from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. 
I can then follow him still, mm. even when I don't want to. Yeah. I can, I can, honestly, I, I know that this is going to sound like a real, like, um, cheesy way to, to deal with, you know, spiritual depression. Maybe that's what we should have been calling this the whole time. Spirit spiritual depression. Do it. Dissociate it. Although I don't think I would Lloyd put Jones a Lloyd-Jones has a whole book on that. I wouldn't put, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, which... I've not read the entirety of, uh, but I don't think I would completely separate these things hmm. into, you know, totally separate. I think there's overlap all over yeah. the place, but like I often will find that certain music and listening to it and, and even where I'm like, I don't even want to think about the promises, but maybe like just turn on, I can either turn on, you know, again, Gen X or music <sighs> from the nineties the when I was in high school and college and, and, and just kind of like wallow in the hopelessness represented therein mm-hmm. in the midst of really, really catchy hooks and things. Or I can turn on uh, an album I've been listening to a whole bunch lately, even while I've been in some some serious sorrow, mm. um, which is a, a Matt Papa, Matt Boswell collection of hymns, and, and just say, I'm going to just listen to the music and appreciate that. And before long, the words have done their, their work mm. in my spirit. And and lifted me up. Well, yeah, it, and I think they think that. So you know, music's a good example of it, right? Right, it, 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 drowning ourselves in um, uh, in these realities as expressed through other people, even if we can't express them honestly inside of ourselves, right? Uh, you know, we brought up our wives, we brought up our churches, but you know, having a having just a a basic understanding of church history, and you go back through the, and you see how many people, how many absolute church heroes were dealing with dark, dark, horrendous stuff inside mm-hmm. of their lives yeah. and their feelings on it and their emotion. And people like Isaac Watts, the pe- person who's writing a lot of these hymns, yeah. dealing with his life. You look at it, he, that guy was playing a ping pong game with whether or not he was saved, according to himself, mm-hmm. all of the time. Yeah. You know, oh, I'm not saved. Oh, I'm saved. Oh, I'm not saved. And he's constantly having to reassure himself of his salvation. The fact that this is a common problem for saints. Mm-hmm. It doesn't alienate you and push you out onto some kind of outlier where you're different or you're, this is, this, this is a common problem. That's... So maybe you're reading some of these biographies, again, mm. like you said, when you're in the light, when yeah. you're not in the cage, because you, you're not allowed to bring the biographies into the cage with you. Right. You don't have the desire to, um, to read. Yeah. maybe kind of, yeah, re-associating re- yourself and, and familiarizing yourself with some of these saints mm. who've come before us and how... Yeah, these are all things that are are common to man and are part of living in a sin-cursed world with the flesh and all that comes with the curse. Imagine if they would have known that evangelists had been in that exact same cage. Yeah. You know, evangelists had been in that exact same cage dealing with the exact same stuff, and he'd been beat. That would have been kind of a cool thing. Evangelist was here carved into the... (laughs) It was like a day count. Yeah, now you you say it. Okay. It's too late. Yeah. Uh, The written version, right? You said... <laughs> but yeah, you know, you know, it's something to think back on and go, oh yeah, you know what? People I know, mm-hmm. people I know, and that I love and that I respect, even though we, I mean, we both love Spurgeon, you know, and we go, okay, well, if he went through it, then it's okay. It's okay. I still have to feel it. I still have to bear it. I still have to walk through it, but it's okay. And that, and that means maybe reading some Spurgeon right now mm. in the midst of it is yeah. good, right? Yeah. Treasury of David mm. or, or letters to my students or something where he gets into some of this stuff that's, or lectures for my students rather. All of this is a, a good reminder and hopeful does remind him of it. Mm. He's, he's 
doing all the right things. And that's what I love about like this character you'd think would be kind of a goofy floundering guy at first. And he finds his feet so quickly. So, so there's the, the emphasis on patiently waiting and mm. uh, the, the, the footnote I have in my version here points me to Hebrews six fifteen, and thus Abraham having patiently waited, obtained the promise. So like they don't have promise. I mean, they have it, but they don't, have it in hand yet there's just going to be some patient waiting there's going to be waiting it out yeah uncomfortably in a cage that is not your ideal place to, to try yeah. to, to wait and be patient uh and then, not an ideal place for anything right really yeah. <laughs> not, not anything i can think of to be in a cage maybe like uh performance art you ever hear about people who are like stay in a cage in in Times square or something while people walk by and see them you mean quacks? <laughs> Weirdos. Yeah. 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 Other than that, no, there's no good. There's no good use for being in a cage. Um, and then uh, he starts reminding him, and maybe he's out of order here, but he starts reminding him of how valiant he's been. Mm. And you know what? That shouldn't be our main thing. Remember how, how you were better than this before? Right. <laughs> but it could be in the mix. Obviously, first and foremost, remember that God is always with you, and that's going to be what ultimately works. But- Hey, have you forgotten? I mean, mm. let's run the list here. What you've overcome. And now you are, uh, what does he say? A bundle of fears or nothing but fears. Mm-hmm. Hold on a second. He says, uh, what hardship, terror, confusion you have already experienced. So do all of these count for nothing in your present fearful plight? The text here is uh, Hebrews ten thirty two. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. Mm-hmm. Pointing them back, Christian, remember when you were hopeful. Mm-hmm. And again, there, yeah, there's a, a certain strength and power in being a new convert mm. and having all this stuff seem like straight up magic mm. to you. Yeah. Because you're seeing it for what it is. Yeah. And and before you've become kind of jaded by the whole thing, you know, it's probably like, uh, this is going to be, this is going to be both corny and very uncharacteristic for me, but maybe like someone who like is first in the major leagues, right? You hmm. watch like movies about, I was watching American Underdog uh, not that long ago. Uh, great story about Kurt Warner rising up and, and, and becoming uh, this great NFL player. And they show like the first time he walks into, you know, and you get this with a lot of these these sports movies. The first time they walk into these like cathedrals of of sports, these huge, massive uh, arenas and things, into the real locker room after they've been playing in the the dirt leagues and they've mm. had you know you know been on a bus instead of on a jet and and kind of being wide eyed and oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then years later, it's all about the money and they don't care about this. They don't see it. They don't they don't remember. That and, 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 you know, they wish they could remember that. And you could probably do it with just about anything. I was talking to a friend recently about how I think it's nuts when people live somewhere that is impressive and they forget to be impressed by it. When I was in Utah a while ago, I asked several Uber drivers. I was, I was in Ogden, which is it's a beautiful area. I'm looking around at all these mountains that just surround it. And I'm like, look how beautiful this is. And asking these Uber drivers, do you notice these or do they kind of fade in the background? Uh, probably thinking, it's term an illustration in the back of my mind later. Uh-huh. And they're all like, yeah, I don't notice them. I don't see them. Hmm. And, and I mean, I live here not surrounded by mountains, but I live not far at all from the beautiful capital of Michigan, which is to you me live- just such a gorgeous structure. And it's surrounded by huge, beautiful cathedrals. And and I, I it, every time I see it, I kind of like do a, you know, like mouth hanging open 
And I think I need to make sure that that's not just something for, you know, a, a building downtown, but that I don't lose that wonder about Christ, you know, that, that when people heard the, the Sermon on the Mount for the first time, it says they marveled. Mm. They, they were amazed. Now we hear it and we almost make jokes about it more often than mm. we're amazed by it, right? Right. Hmm. You grew up next to one of the lakes, right? Yeah, yeah, Lake Huron. Yeah. Did that just disappear for you? Well, How you know, up? we or were far, that, we were so far enough away from it. We just oh, saw it once in a while, I honestly. I see. Um, yeah, yeah, but you know, living here in Michigan, you, you can begin to take the the fact that we're surrounded by all the largest, great- By uh, massive lakes. Freshwater and, lakes in yeah. the world um, for granted, or you can think of it as just huge blessing. Hmm. I think I still do. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I didn't. I didn't grow up like right on the the shoreline. Okay. Um, there was a state park that had a beach, but it was really only good for boating. Hmm. Not to not to throw Bay City, Michigan, under the bus, but it's not really the yeah. uh, how dare you like Grand Haven kind of uh, oh, yeah. shoreline lake life thing that you <laughs> that you think about with the Great Lakes. Um, all right, let's let's bang the rest of these out because we're going mega long. <laughs> Hopeful ends this plea by saying, therefore, at least to avoid the shame that a Christian ought not be associated with, let us bear up with patience as well as we can. And it points us here to 1 Corinthians 10.13 and 1 Peter 2.20. Okay, so I'm getting word here in my earpiece that Mr. Sagacity knows this one by heart and doesn't need to read it. No, you're checking how close you... Give give it a shot and then see how close you were. Be bold. Uh, Buddy, I think you quoted this in the very last digress. Off yeah. the top of your head, and, and now you're Pretty not sure I to. did. All right. I think when I memorized it, I was probably still like a... NIV or like something? A, yeah, like an NIV guy. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Rumpf. The worst. Um, <laughs> I believe it is, no temptation has overtaken you except for what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. When you are tempted, he provides you with means to endure it. Something close to that. No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptations, he'll provide you with a way to escape that you may endure it. That is such an important thing. That that may be one of the most important verses to bear in mind through your your life, you know, trying to mortify sin. As a blessing and and a curse, I think, as a blessing and a curse, Mm. you know, because, because the curse is you've been provided means to endure it. So when you don't. Yeah. You're not using your means. Yeah. That's, that's against you. That's, that's judgment stuff. against yeah. you. But it's the blessing because here are the means to endure it. I'm giving you all of the tools that you need when you are tempted. And you can endure it and you can escape it and you can run from it. So, yeah, it's that blessing because we have it and it's been purchased for us and given to us. And it's our choice whether or not we use it. And that's where I think the curse kind of concept comes in. If we're choosing not to escape, we're choosing not to escape. If you're looking in the future or the present tense, though, it's mm. always a blessing. Yeah. Because it means there's a way out. And if and if you've fallen in the past, the blessing of Christ's blood is going to overwhelm, you know, any anything. So, I don't know, to me, I read this and it seems overwhelmingly positive and hopeful. Uh, and I think hopeful mm. means the idea to be hopeful here. Of course. Uh, we We can endure this. There's a way out and just keep our eyes open. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't say that the way out's immediate. I always think of it as, you know, in that, in that, again, that mirage moment, if you look not just at that spot where, you, where it looks like there's an oasis, but 360 around you, there's going to be some way out. Um, and often that takes the form, I think, of the weirdest things happening. Mm-hmm. A call from somebody that you can either 
answer or reject, you know, right? A, a DVD player that malfunctions and you go, you know, maybe I shouldn't watch this. This is just kind of crap, you know, whatever. Um, but maybe even in situations where it's going to be a long road of, do I stand up under this or do I fall under it? Maybe you have to wait and, and endure and wait for that escape hatch to present itself. Like they do. Through much encouragement. I was going to say, this is, this is someplace that we know for a fact is kind of a weakness for Christian is having to endure something when they get to Vanity Fair, who's the one that wants to buy something, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. let's just, let's just give in a bit. We can control it. We can get, you know, let's, let, let's just give in a bit. Right. So like he has that problem with, I can go with the best of them. I can march forward with the best of them. That's fine. But as soon as I have to stay in a location and endure it, right. I lose the scroll. I have to stay in the location. As soon as we find ourselves stuck in the cage, well, this is it. We're done. Did you ever see a movie called uh, The Devil's Advocate? Mm-mm. And Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves. Hua uh, era Al Pacino. Um, I don't know what that is. I, w- I would not watch it. I'm not recommending it. Okay. The last time I went, to, I went. To, I was p- blogging on all these like supernatural movies. And I'm like, I remember that one being good. And I watched. I started watching it again. And it was like, wow, this is really like, almost like what we used to call a dirty movie at some point. I was like, I turned it off. But I do remember from my initial watching of it, that Al Pacino playing Satan, his main thing is not that he's wicked, evil, you know, always trying to make you do the worst thing, but that he's always negotiating. I see. I'm always negotiating. And if Christian's willing to negotiate a little bit, Mm. the devil's winning in this moment. Because I think there's some, some real insight there. Just not that I need to get you to be your wickedest version of yourself right now, Mm -hmm. but just to be open to a little negotiation. Yeah. Give a bit, give a bit. Let's just keep negotiating. Stay at the table here eternally. Hmm. That is screw tape strategy through and through. The other text is 1 Peter 2.20. For what credit is it if when you sin, you are beaten for it and you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Now, they're in kind of both situations. Yeah. Christian's willingness to go off the path was was not good, but the reason that they're being beaten is because they refuse to give in now. They are enduring and, and doing good. Yeah, the giant calls them what miscreants or something. They're miscreants because they- Watch your mouth. Won't kill themselves or something. <laughs> yeah, he's, it's like, he's so mad. How dare they? <laughs> the nerve. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand. Yeah, he's almost like the nerve, and then you and then you remember what it is that he's trying he's to trying do. Trying to do, yeah. And the fact that that's just sort of his job mm-hmm. is, and, yeah. and and he's out there, and that this does have antecedents in real life. This mm. allegory, it's sobering stuff. I do, I do want to know what you what you thought of the way I presented the uh, the idea of the key being uh, present and and useful. Uh, being uh, hopeful, kind of getting delirious from lack of food and, and dehydration <laughs> and seeing it and pointing it out. I thought there needed to be a little levity somewhere because the thing was getting darker than dark. Yeah, it is also kind of like a snap thing that he just remembers, which is weird. <gasps> oh, here yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I have it, it. You have to have something prompted, I think. And, yeah. I, and, and I think some of the magic there, right, is that presumably because they get out on a Sunday. Right. The concept is the Christian has gone to church. Mm-hmm. They have been preached the gospel, the promises of God. The reality They've now it. remembered yeah. them, and they're coming out of this three-day lull. And so, it also kind of answers to the three days the of three days, Christ exactly. in the tomb and yeah. rising again. And, and, and you know, it, it you have to decide how far to go with all these these things in the allegory. Mm-hmm. The sunlight causing these fits so that despair loses 
you know, the strength of his hands and yeah. can't do much of anything. Does that mean once in a while, darkest England, Bedford jail, <laughs> you know, the clouds parted and it got sunny and for a little while Bunyan's spirits mm. lifted, but ultimately what really does it is yeah, yeah a, a visit perhaps from... Uh, a brother in Christ or someone yeah. who reads the scriptures to him. Mm-hmm. And it could have just been the, the spirit prompting him, right? Right. In coming to mind. But I don't know. I thought, I thought introducing yeah. it in like an incidental way and then having him go, oh man, yeah. how dumb it might be. Maybe this is something. <laughs> yeah, this is something. I thought of it and, and, and I, again, I, I introduced these, this kind of thought in these words, but like him having thought of it as just a nice kind of decoration, mm. a meaningful decoration but just a decoration. It reminds me, it reminds you that there are promises. But then he remembers Charity actually said this thing might save your life one day. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a, that's Bunyan's original words. This, this thing might, they might actually save your life. And he starts to think, what if there's power to this in a way that I hadn't ascribed it before? Well, that's incredibly important, I think, as people that have been going to church for elongated periods of time, is that so many of these promises can become decorative. Mm-hmm. They could be things you put on your wall in very pretty calligraphy and, oh yeah, isn't that, isn't that nice? Isn't that, and then you just, you overlook it. It becomes the mountains, it becomes the this. And you, you, I've taken Lord's Supper every month for, you know, what, like you could say 10 years or something like that. And then the importance of it and the weight of it kind of ceases to mean anything. It's just something that church people do. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a ritual. It's a, right. Without thinking about any of the promises or the power or the realities that undergird the actual that Lord's Supper. It is suffer, a participation in the yeah. body and blood of the, the Lord Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So, so we can definitely take these promises and we can take these realities of the Christian walk and we can turn them into just decorative little things on our, you know, bodies and then say, well, that's good enough. You know, uh, it'll be there when I need it. And then you just forget that you have it, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I, I was just this is Hans Booby. This is radio, not television. I was just pointing to pointing my, at his, uh, my Jesus here. tattoos. Yeah, thinking, yeah, that that, that can be, just be kind of like, oh yeah, I, I put that there mm-hmm. as kind of just part of my whole vibe. It's on my Instagram that I love Jesus. Mm-hmm. There's some there's some verses. There's some stuff. But then when my life starts to fall apart, I don't cling to those things. Yeah, those those external things are less important because now I got real problems. Yeah, but if it's really in and, and, and you know I I would be open to hearing someone uh, critique him finding the thing that lets him out in his own heart. Hmm. But I think it, I think it does hold fast for me. You yeah. know, I, you say, don't look inside your heart and follow your heart. Your heart is deceitful above all and desperately wicked. Of course. But you also have a new heart. A new heart. Right. You know, if you're, if you are a born again believer, you are indwelled with the Holy spirit. And like, you don't want to primarily just follow your heart. Cause you still have the sin nature. You want to check these things against the scriptures mm-hmm. and you want to follow the leading of the Holy spirit. And often you need to lead your heart rather than follow your heart. But in inside of you, hopefully you have filled yourself up with, you have, you have written on your heart, not just on your doorpost, mm-hmm. all of these things. Um, you have, treasured these things up in your heart, like, like the Virgin Mary, you've hidden God's word in your heart Uh, and there you find it. Um, like, like David has. And so when you look inside, you don't just see, you know, all the detritus of your sadness and sorrow and despair and doubt amidst it, you find, and you're willing to dust off and pull out promises that will, I mean, they, they turn this, this one, this one last lock, is the it says this lock was damnably hard 
yet the key did eventually open it. Mm -hmm. So there's some, you know, it's not instant immediately you're free. Mm -hmm. There's some some struggling. And I think uh, there's there's often a need for someone else with you, yeah. you know? And I, and I had uh, that kind of a moment of, are you still with me? Hopeful. Hmm. Not that he doubted that he was, he just needed to hear it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I'm with you to the end. I'm still here. I'm right behind you. Let's do this together. And uh, out he goes. And of course they, we're not, we don't have time to, to take it, <laughs> to take apart the whole, like the sign that they build on the, the style and, that they remember it's the Sabbath and worship in view of the delectable mountains because yeah. they're just about there now and they're going to meet the shepherds next time. But it ends very that emergent church worship. What? <laughs> He's talking about. There was some guy who was talking about worshiping at a golf course one time or something mm, like that. Yeah. Oh, well, that's like, a very well, because common. because you're surrounded by, yeah, by nature. beauty and nature and these different things and like isn't that what it's about? Isn't worship just remembering God? Oh, yeah. Okay, I, dude. The coolest is when you can actually have the gathering of the saints and be in the midst of sure. God's majestic beauty. When you were living in, I'm not going to say the name of the state because I don't, I, I don't say things that might tell people who you are, mm-hmm. but in the midst of wilderness and working in the midst of wilderness all the right. time, were you a believer? No. Okay. I was going to say, I bet there were times when worship came welling up out of you, but if you weren't a believer, probably not. I loved the imagery of it, and it kind of strangely, like, it, it proved my points to me, mm. you know? Look at how vast and big this is, and you're the center of anything? Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> you know? So like, close. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. Jesus says, you are so very close to yeah. the kingdom of God. Yeah. And and now, yeah, with that... So have you been back to that place that was so important to you since you've been a believer? No, I I mean, I, I've been back to the state. Uh-huh. I've been back, you know, around the state. I've hiked in different locations and things like that. Whole different. Yeah. I would need to start paying dues and stuff like that. And I, I could probably go back out to that and a couple of other Hmm. high adventure extreme locations that I think maybe once Levi gets old enough, maybe I'll. I'm going to bleep out your son's name. Okay. (laughs) Sure. His son's name is hopeful. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that uh, that could do it for us for now. And we'll, we'll pick up with the delectable mountains next time. We'll pick up with the shepherds. Uh, honestly, I'm just going to put all my cards on the table. Yeah. From this point to the end is in my book, the boringest part of the Pilgrim's Progress. Boringest. Is that a word? No, it's the the most boring part. (laughs) And then, uh, the thing that part two does so well is I think from like the, the equivalent of this point to the end is Mm. some of the most interesting and fascinating stuff in it. Uh, but I'm going to do my best to, to, uh, present all the, the beautiful truth that he gives us in, the, in these passages engagingly. That is a word. Mm-hmm. It is now. And next time, uh, I'm going to bring you the second batch of vignettes, yeah. uh, which are small uh, stories from the Pilgrim's Progress. Most of them spun out from things that are, are really uh, related, and a couple of them just uh, from my own brain. So uh, if you liked the first batch of them, you'll like these. If you hated the first bunch of them, you may want to skip it. Either way... I hope that you will remember whatever's going on in your life, whatever darkness you might be going through right now, or if you're walking in the light, either way, hang on tight to the promises that you have. Remember there's a reason for the hope that is within you and stay on the narrow road. Thanks for listening. 
To support this program and for additional content and perks, visit patreon.com slash pilgrimsprogress. Make sure you don't miss a beat by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, and please take a moment to leave us an honest review. This recording, copyright 2022, high and silver, all rights reserved. Produced by Brad Atchison and Zachary Bartles. Theme music licensed from pond5.com. Scripture quotations are from the ESV Bible, the Holy Bible English Standard Version, copyright 2001 by Crossway, a publishing ministry of Good News Publishers, used by permission, all rights reserved. For more audio experiences of my fiction, visit www.zacharybartles.com audio. And silver. Got to get it.